You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. This is, in fact, another episode of FUVFC. We, uh, Jackson Heil, Luke Fiore with you today. Mm-hmm. A little short-handed today. Yeah, we're missing out on Christian. We're, uh, we're missing Christian Hoban, second in command. He's ill today, so we wish him all the best in his recovery to health. Hopefully yes. it's nothing too serious. And obviously, John Furlong, as we mentioned, is in Pyeongchang, still our fearless leader. So he'll be back hopefully next week for the next episode. But right now, we got a lot to get into, not a lot of time to do it. As usual, we had two games this week in the Champions League. Two big ones that ended in draws, Chelsea and Barcelona finished 1-1 at in Chelsea, and Man United Sevilla tied in España as well. Not the best result for United, and David De Gea kind of kept them in that game the entire game, but we'll get to that in just a moment. We'll address the Paul Pogba saga that's kind of transpired over the past month where he's kind of gotten to a big rift with Jose Mourinho and the potential that he could be sold, whether that is realistic or not, for Manchester United. Also, Man City... Lost to Wigan this week, ironically enough. That's kind of been a rarity in the 2017-2018 season. But they get knocked out of the FA Cup in the fifth round. And we'll talk about a potential move for Harry Kane for them. There's been rumors of a potential massive offer coming from the citizens to Tottenham. We'll see if that's any realistic or not. And then we'll address the two games coming up this week, United and Chelsea this weekend. And then next Thursday, it'll be Manchester City and Arsenal after they battle for the Carabao Cup at Wembley on Sunday. And then we'll also look at our Golden Boot and Player of the Year favorites. Yeah. So we should be an interesting episode, but let's get right into it Pretty now. Jam-packed. It, it is for sure. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to get to. May not get to it all, <laughs> but we'll do our best for sure. We'll start with Chelsea-Barcelona. Big game at Stamford Bridge that unfortunately resulted in a draw, and you could argue it was fair for both sides, yeah. but overall thoughts on the game. Well, um, I'm kind of eating my words. As last week, we all kind of wrote off um, Chelsea. We, we did. We figured Barcelona would kind of just go in there, get business done. But uh, it was an exciting game. It was really a thriller to watch. Willian had two off the uh, off the post yep. and before he scored, and he just had a fabulous game. I know there was a lot of uh, questioning of uh, the decision to start Hazard at striker, but it seemed to work out pretty pretty all right. And honestly. It looked like Chelsea played a better game up until Messi scored that goal. I really thought Chelsea was going to win it. Um, so, I mean, it Chelsea was home, so good for them. Um, they only let up one away goal to uh, Barcelona. So it, it's going to be tough for them to come out with a, a W at uh, in, in Barcelona. But, I mean, they did a great job, honestly. I can't, I can't knock them for that. And you mentioned the decision not to start a striker, or a true striker, so to say. They yeah. go with Hazard over Murata and Giroud. It's ironic because last week we were also talking about the potential of Chelsea going to a two-striker system yeah. <laughs> with Giroud and Murata, and Conte kind of not being so stubborn in his ways. But overall, I, I actually thought it worked out pretty well for them because Hazard, after Willian, who was probably the best player on the field for mm-hmm. both teams, I thought... Hazard did a nice job. He always finds a way to really be in the right spots. And yeah. although we didn't find the score sheet, he had a ton of chances throughout the game. Yeah, that. And it was kind of interesting how they played. They technically played a 3-4-3, but really two of those midfielders were Alonzo and um, 
and Moses. So it was really like a five, two, three. It, so, it's hard to it's hard to describe exactly what it was yeah. because Moses plays an attacking role a lot yeah. with his pace, and then obviously Alonzo, who has six goals this year, has done the same. So, like you mentioned, it was a weird formation, but I, I, I think, think if you, if you're a Chelsea fan, are you upset with the result? A hundred percent, no. I mean, really? Yeah, honestly. It is a little disappointing because I think Chelsea had a very good chance to win the game, but when you see the form that Barcelona has been in recently and the form that Chelsea has been, Chelsea hasn't been in great form, as we discussed last week, up until the West Brom game. Um, So just to see them come out with a draw, I think you got to be happy with it, especially because you're playing Lionel Messi, arguably the greatest player in the game right now. So... If I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm happy. I'm, I'm excited for the next leg. Uh, I'm not getting too, too excited because I still think Barcelona will advance, but Chelsea's got a fighting chance right now. I, I disagree with you in terms of being happy with the result. Get, oh, listen, overall, it looks like a fine result at home. I mean, listen, you tie the best team in the world right now in Barcelona. And listen, Messi scored his first goal. I believe it was in his first goal in nine games yeah. at Stamford Bridge, but... I think if you look at it where you take the lead in the second half off a sensational willing goal, I mean, that shot mm-hmm. was ridiculous from outside, and he almost had a few of them. But to make the mistake they made on the goal with yeah. Christensen's pass, Aaron across, and then as Piliqueta was just, late on the tackle. Yeah, he just completely whiffed. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice play by Iniesta yeah. once he had it to find Messi, and once he got it on his foot, it was no doubt about it. But... I think you really have to be upset at that point with the result, knowing the context of the situation, because it's going to be hard to get an away goal at the now. I mean, Barcelona doesn't give it up all that often, and especially if Chelsea isn't going to utilize a striker. And with the way they play, I mean, they were... Listen, Barcelona had a ton of possession, but Mm -hmm. if you're going to play a counterattacking role, or a counterattacking style, I should say, against Barcelona on the road, I mean... You're not going to get many chances, so I I think the only way that Chelsea comes out on top is if Conte changes up the formation a little bit and forces forces Chelsea to go into more of an attacking style of football. I actually don't agree. I think the the counterattacking worked really well, especially with William and Pedro both playing and Hazard too, because all of them have pretty nice pace, especially William. Um, so I think it really works when you have Moses and Alonso kind of as wingbacks. Uh, I thought the formation worked really well for them. I, I'd give... I mean, you obviously don't want to put the ball in the hands of Messi and Iniesta and guys like that. But honestly, I, I think it really worked for Chelsea last game. I think it was the right move because you don't want to be too attacking and then get caught off guard by Messi or any of those guys, really. Barcelona's just a too good a team to do that. But, I mean, listen, if you could... Because knowing, now knowing Chelsea needs a goal, though, because mm-hmm. if it's a 0-0 draw, Barcelona takes it on away goals and goes to the quarterfinals. I feel like that almost has to change your the way you look at this a little bit because Barcelona could just dominate possession the entire game and Chelsea may get one or two chances but and they can convert. But I, I think... Going into the, the the first leg, you're able to play that style because you don't necessarily need a goal. Because it would have been better, honestly, if they drew if they drew zero zero yeah. originally, and then you could have taken that same tactic into the second leg at the now. And I think that's what Conte was looking for. But overall, I just I don't think you could come out and 
because Barcelona kind of did dominate the second half, if we're being honest here. Yeah. I mean, they had a ton of quality chances. But I, I, I think Conte will have to maneuver some things around. Now, we'll shift over to the other results from the Premier not the Premier League, a Premier League team in mm-hmm. the Champions League. United drawing Sevilla in Spain. And listen, the only reason United were in this one was because of De Gea, which yeah. has been kind of a broken record this year, unfortunately. And I, I just I don't understand Mourinho a lot yeah. like it's it's hard to even describe like what's going through his head I mean first off Pogba didn't get on the field be until Herrera I mean he wasn't starting the game and Herrera gets hurt in the 17th minute and the only reason he's in is because he got hurt do you, what do you what do you think of this game in terms of the overall outlook I know I just kind of gave my rant on yeah. Mourinho but are you nervous about United going into the second leg um listen the second leg is at Old Trafford um Man United is just such they've got such a good roster that I feel like you can't bet against them but honestly the way they played that game it didn't I don't know it Man U is a frustrating team they played so well at the beginning of the year and now they're just kind of falling apart David De Gea as you said played an amazing game one of the best games I've ever seen by a keeper um, it, the, the the problem is that's happened so many times. I this know. Year. I mean, you look at the Arsenal game where they won three one. He has sixteen saves. It's ridiculous. He makes eight saves against Sevilla on Wednesday or yesterday, I should say. It it's just it's frustrating to see because Mourinho wants to play this counter attack of style, similar to what Chelsea did, mm-hmm. but in a more effective manner that Chelsea does. And if you're gonna do that, why are you not starting speed on the wings in Martial or Rashford instead of? Having, and listen, they do start Sanchez, but at times Sanchez was playing up top and Lukaku was playing on the wing, which didn't really make much sense at all. And it, it's just, it's so frustrating to watch as a United fan. Yeah, if you're going to play a counterattacking style, I think as much as it's painful to say, I would say if you're going to take out Pogba, you might as well take out Lukaku. Lukaku hasn't been anything what Man United paid for or expected. I think you got to start Rashford, put Martial, and probably Sanchez on the wing, or even Lingard. But listen, you got to have pace if you're playing a counterattacking style. Um, Lukaku, he's got some pace, but he's not not comparable to Rashford. And I saw um, recently, I was looking, and if you look at the stats, he is uh, Lukaku has the same amount of goals as Firmino and less assists, which. I mean, Firmino isn't considered one of the great strikers in the league, but Lukaku coming into the year was considered right up there with Aguero and uh, in that caliber. So I don't know. As much as Pogba has been a disappointment, I think Lukaku's. You got to look at Lukaku too, and then obviously injuries. Baye's out. Um, yeah, you got Lindelof starting. You got who is the guy who started at the midfield? McTominay. I'd never even heard of him. It's just it's, it's a disaster. It was a puzzling, <laughs> it was a puzzling starting eleven. I was shaking my head, but I still thought, man, you would come through. Um, obviously, I was mistaken, uh, as I was in the uh, Chelsea Barcelona game. But I I would say, man, you comes out um, in the next round. But really, I, I don't think they can advance any further, even if they do. I mean, Sevilla is one of the weakest teams in this round of sixteen. So if Man U can't get it done, even on the road, um, I, I just don't see them making a strong push in Champions League or even finishing second in Premier League, maybe not even third. I don't know how this bodes even for their Premier League season. And I'll, I'll give Sevilla some credit. They, they played well. Yeah, they and, did. I mean, they generated a ton of chance. I mean, Lindelof and Smalling looked lost in the back, which mm-hmm. 
unfortunately, that has happened too many times for Manchester United this year. And the injuries have hurt them. Obviously, Baez, arguably the, you could argue he's the best center back in the Premier League. He's made not to be the best, but he's certainly up there. Yeah. And has been one of the most important players for United all season long. And he was on the bench for this game. He's not fully healthy, so you weren't going to get him back into the starting lineup, obviously, in a Champions League match. But... I mean, the the save De Gea made at the end of the first half on yeah, the header wow. from, like, three feet away. Yeah, his reaction. Just to stick right. out the right hand. I'm, is he the best? He's got to be the best keeper in the world right now. I mean, Neuer, the only other person who I could think of is Neuer, but right now I, I'm feeling David De Gea. I think he is the best keeper in the world. Now, Buffon was a bon, Ballon d'Or candidate for this year. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think you could make a really good case that De Gea is the Ballon d'Or, early Ballon d'Or favorite for 2018 right now. Yeah, I mean, Buffon is great, but he's in his 40s right now. I mean, he's had an incredible career, but right now, David De Gea is the best keeper. Um, especially when you look at Buffon's defense. He's got a great defense. I mean, right now... You look at what United have, and it's like they're starting two yeah. converted midfielders on the outside. They're third and fourth mm-hmm. s- center backs. I mean... It gets to a point where he's, like, the only one back there. Yeah, De Gea is really what's keeping Manu alive in this tough stretch that they've been playing. And just want to get to one more thing. You mentioned Lukaku, who really, I mean, he struggled all after after that first 10-game stretch in the beginning of the season mm-hmm. where he was scoring pretty much at a goal-per-game rate. I mean, he hasn't been the same player. Teams have figured him out too easily. I mean, he can't handle the ball at his feet. And... Similar, if we're going to, you mentioned, I agree with you completely. If they're going to play a style against these top teams where you're going to try to beat them on the counterattack, I I don't see how Lukaku can be your guy because you're going to need a a striker who can hold up play at some point. And Lukaku can only really do that with his chest and his head, which is not going to get the job done. I mean, if you're going to have three defenders on you, I'd rather have Lexi Sanchez up top there and play three quality midfielders in that back the three behind him I wouldn't mind putting a Martial Lingard and Rashford three behind him and benching Lukaku and I I almost think I don't want to give up on him necessarily after one year because his value is going to be low Mm. in terms of selling him but it wouldn't be far too far-fetched for me if they looked to get rid of him after this year yeah I I wouldn't disagree um I I I say that they should give him a chance to finish out the year, maybe next year, kind of. But if the, I would not be surprised at all if they were looking to ship him off. I mean, Manu's got a, a decent amount of money. Um, it looks like they could take the hit uh, if they needed to. But I wouldn't give up on Lukaku just yet, but he's got a short lease, I, w- I would say. In terms of selling, we'll move on to Paul Pogba, who was benched to start the the game against Sevilla only got in really because of Ander Herrera's injury in the 17th minute. And there's been rumors of a potential rift with Jose Mourinho. And it's not really necessarily rumors because it's pretty obvious that there is one because they seem to disagree on everything. And Pogba wants a formation change. Jose won't comply with him. But how realistic do you think it would be for Manchester United to sell Pogba for the second time? Um, I think it's, after the season, it could be pretty realistic. I'm not saying, Pogba hasn't really gotten into an attacking position. He's kind of been playing like a 
center defensive mid. They've been playing him like alongside Matic behind that yeah. three up front, and then Lukaku obviously in the four position. So I don't know. I don't think he's happy. I know Mourinho uh, is not too happy with him. It, it he could conceivably be gone. His value would be, I think, probably below what they bought him for. But then again, I mean, you've seen what Coutinho sold for and guys have yeah. been selling for now. So, honestly, I don't know. I don't think they'd take too much of a hit uh, if they were to sell him. But they got to have someone uh, to be looking at to get to replace him because while while Pogba hasn't been great on offense, he's been a pretty solid player. I mean, he's still a very, very good he's player like, even like when he's not. He's third in the Premier League in assists. Yeah, when he's not at his best, he's still one of the best players on the field. So... Um, you got to c- replace him with someone else. I, I think it gets to a point where Woodward has to make a decision between Mourinho and Pogba. Mm. And listen, they just gave their kind of vote of allegiance to Mourinho with giving him an extension. But I, th- I really don't think he is dumb enough to look at the situation and see a replaceable manager who's kind of been, whose style has been kind of phased out of today's style. And kind of get rid of the 24-year-old center midfielder, one of the best in the world, who's hard to replace. And if you just move him up potentially into more of an attacking role, he could kind of fill in his potential that they bought him in for. But overall, I just I don't see a scenario in which both of these guys stay here because they both clearly disagree on pretty much every scenario out there. And I just, I don't, I can't, it's hard to kind of fathom that they would even consider keeping Mourinho if this was the situation. Yeah, um, I I also don't see them sticking together. I think Mourinho should be the one to go. He seems to have a rift with pretty much everybody. Every star, like everywhere he's gone, he's had a rift with a star. It's unbelievable. I I think Pogba is too valuable if they just use him in the right way. But if they're going to go with Mourinho... It's very, very possible that Pogba could be gone this uh, this offseason. It would be disappointing for sure, but let's move over to the other side of town in Manchester. We go to Manchester City, who surprisingly fall to Wigan on the road, one nothing from a late Wigan goal. Listen, City were playing with 10 men. Fabian Delph got sent off early in the first half mm-hmm. on a questionable call. I'm not ready to say that was a dangerous call really a completely dangerous foul that was deserving of a red card. Yeah. But nonetheless, they were playing with 10 men. And overall, how, how this, is, is this as much of a disappointing loss as it kind of comes off to be? I mean, I don't think Man City really cares that much. That, that's the thing with me. Like, I don't even know, like... I yeah, mean, they're running away with the season. And it's the FA Cup. I mean, they already they're gonna they're a lock for first place pretty much. Um, they're gonna get in the Champions League next year. They're doing really well in the Champions League this year. I don't think they care that much, but I mean, it is disappointing to miss out on a trophy that you could easily win and probably should easily win uh, to a third third division team. Um, especially in that fashion, it really it was not a pretty game. Um, it was just sloppy. I, I I can't really say much, but especially what happened after the game. Yep. I, I know Man Man City probably should win the FA Cup or should have won the FA Cup, but I don't think it's too disappointing to them. It really doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I mean, they, they, it, that kind of cancels any chance at the triple. Yeah. Well, it officially does with getting the Premier League title as long as the Champions League and FA Cup. But I, I think it kind of is a disappointment. I mean, obviously it is 
losing to Wigan mm-hmm. on the road. I mean, and they did have 10 men, as I mentioned, but I think it was like kind of the only thing they really had to play for left other than the Champions League. And I can see how fans would be pretty upset about that because pretty much every game in the Premier League now is essentially meaningless for them because they have the title wrapped up. They could lose. I mean that they listen. They couldn't lose every game. They couldn't lose every game the rest of the year they and still win. Awesome. But they could win. They could lose a good seventy five percent of the games down the stretch and still find a way to finish in first. But and I don't think that's happening, especially it's not, getting Jesus back and uh, Sane's back in training and everyone's coming back. It's so. just amazing how like how much depth they've had. I mean, I know. you look at Aguero. He was going to be on the bench for Jesus, who was going to be the main starter, and then Aguero comes in. He's third in the league in scoring. Has twenty one goals in twenty two Premier League games. It's ridiculous. Come, he had the four goals that one game. Yep. I mean, he's really taken a dive into the fountain of youth and found his old self, so to speak, and kind of placed himself in the squad for next year I would say but nonetheless after this game there were rumors about a potential 200 million dollar swap for Harry Kane and I just want to ask you would that make would that officially like make them the champions for the next two years um I would go with I feel like you can almost inscribe it at that point. I I would say yes, but not because of Harry Kane. I I would say they might be the champion in the next two years, regardless, regardless of the move. Yeah. Um. I think Harry Kane would actually be detrimental to the team. Really? Yes, because he That's would take away. Take. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm, listen, I'm not too high on Harry Kane. I think he is a more of a poacher necessarily than a creator. I think Deli Ali behind him, Christian Eriksen, are giving him a lot of great opportunities. Um. I think Aguero is the real deal, and Jesus is the real deal. And if you bring in Harry Kane into the equation, you're going to either have to get rid of one of them or you're going to have to sacrifice some playing time. And you've got Sterling and Sané on the wings. I mean, they've got a great formula going for them. I wouldn't screw it up with bringing in Harry Kane. Um, That's just my opinion. But I think City, Harry Kane is the wrong move for City. I'd move more for like a midfielder, maybe... Another left back, that might be something that he can look into. But other than that, or maybe just getting rid of Claudio Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's really like, it's just funny to watch every time he goes in yeah. goes in the game. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like he finds a, he's like literally searching for ways to screw up as much as possible and literally gave Ederson the job, Ederson the job, I should say, yeah. because of how poor he was. But I don't think Kane would be detrimental to City as the way you're kind of putting it. Because I, I do think, listen, it's not the best fit in the world because mm-hmm. you get, you're kind of sacrificing some pace up top when you add Kane instead of using a guy like Aguero who's fast yeah. as well as Jesus. But I, I just think that would make that would make City unfair to another level. They to a level that they, I mean, they've been tremendously. It would give them a lot of year, depth, but they would it nonetheless. I don't think it's happening. I don't think you think it's happening. Yeah, and I don't think many people in the world think it's happening but regardless let's look at the two big BPL games coming up this week United and Chelsea at Old Trafford two games kind of trending two teams rather trending in the wrong direction and then Man City and Arsenal they meet twice this week in the Carabao Cup on Sunday and then Thursday next week we'll stick with City Arsenal first as we were just talking about Manchester City 
any concern coming off this loss for Wigan that could potentially roll into the Arsenal game? No, I don't think so. Um, my concern would be that City might want to rest some of its players in the Carabao Cup or the Premier League game, uh, depending on yep. which one. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Even if they rest some guys, I think they're still going to get a W against Arsenal. Um Listen, Arsenal, I think, is a good team, especially bringing in those two acquisitions, Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan, but Man City's just on another level than everybody else, so I've, I don't think they have anything to worry about. But the, the main point here is I think Arsenal has a lot to worry about because they're already kind of separated a, a decent amount from Tottenham and the rest of the top five. So Were they uh, seven behind Tottenham right I now? I think so. Um, it's, it's it's one of those numbers where it's over it's over a two match deficit yeah, right now, and I for some I just I don't know why I have this weird feeling that just everything is going to come right for Arsenal this week and it happens like twice a year for yeah. them I know last year against Man United they scored three goals in the first twenty minutes basically to beat them at the Emirates and Liverpool this year Liver it happened against Liverpool this year where they yeah. just they just went on a scoring spree and. Somehow, I mean, did, no, that was Mignolet that, too. <laughs> that, that is true. That, that was that the game that ended in a draw. Or yeah, it, it, Liverpool it was, was up three, three one or three nothing, and, and it, then was it four four? Ended up four four or three, something three. like it that. Was, and either way, I just I think I think a Boomiang finds a way to get on the score sheet. I think Mkhitaryan yeah. knows he'll finally have a game and will kind of put some frustration into Manchester City. Let's move on to United and Chelsea and. This Listen, is something. Th- th- this is this is some game, and I I honestly I think it's make or break for United at this point. I think it's make or break for both. Really, um, I, I think Chelsea's gotten it kind of back a little bit lately, where it's not as much. I agree. Make or break for them, but I mean, this would be three or four losses in the Premier League for United. They haven't played well at all, and I think this could really tear the room apart. I think it is make or break for United and Chelsea, but I think it's more significant for United because Chelsea is still right there with Liverpool and Tottenham right in between them um they won against West Brom they played really well against Barcelona um but they were in poor form up until that um Man U as you mentioned with the the losses in the Premier League I think it is more important for them I'm really looking forward to it because uh United loss or a tie and Liverpool could conceivably move into second place with the win against West Ham this week which they should get. Um, I mean, they should win most of their games down the stretch. But should. again, they are Liverpool, so yeah. there's always that exception there. I think it'll be interesting to see how they line both teams line up. Yeah. Because we mentioned Giroud and Murata came in in the second half against Barcelona, but for the most part, he's rested. United have they were supposed to have Pogba rested. I rested, I guess you could say. Or although I think that was more of a benching, but yeah. they'll have Martial and Rashford basically on full rush. They both went into the game against Sevilla, but they're gonna have fresh legs on the wings for both sides. And I I really think this comes down to is can David de Gea save the day once again for United because I could really see an onslaught of opportunities coming from Chelsea. Yeah, with the way William's been playing, uh, I- I'd like to see William versus David De Gea right now. See who breaks first. I mean, he he he's it's really unbelievable how he's playing, yeah. and to think that at one point he was behind Pedro. He was, in he was the, behind. I mean, listen, Pedro's all right, but yeah, he he's certainly William's another no William, yeah. But um, and now for like our final small segment, 
of the day. Let's go into our Golden Boot and Player of the Year favorites. We'll start with the Golden Boot. It's really a three-man race at this point with with Harry Kane, Salah, and Aguero in with 23-22 and 21 goals, respectively. Who do you think comes out on top? Uh, this is tough to say as a Liverpool fan, but I think that Kane's going to come out on top because... Mane's coming into form. Firmino's playing very well, so it's going to take some goals away from Salah. Salah's an unselfish player. Plus, Aguero, when Jesus comes back, and all those guys are... I mean, you look at the top 10 scorers in the Premier League, a lot of them are Man City. It's I not mean, just Aguero. Yeah, you have, you have Sterling at four right behind him, who's had a, some type of reclamation and season. Sané and Jesus, when they were healthy, they were in that top 10. Um, so, and you know, Kane can always go on and score a hat-trick whenever he feels like it, pretty much. So. You're not wrong. I'm, I'm going to go with Aguero on this one, honestly. I just think City's scoring at such a high rate, and I don't see them slowing down, even though they might rest some players at some point. And even when Jesus comes back, I could see him losing some goals. But I, I just think offensively City is too powerful, and I think Aguero will certainly reap the benefits. Let's move on to player of the year. I think it's an obvious choice I think me. Salah. I, Salah, really? I, I think Salah. I, I mean, I'm I'm biased, but I think Salah. Clear, see, I I thought the obvious choice, and I didn't even think of Salah. I thought of De Bruyne right away. I, I mean, De Bruyne is great. He's he's essential. But I think when Salah's playing well, Liverpool is one of the best teams. When Salah is not playing well, Liverpool is not in that top seven. Even I don't think Th- that's fair. But I I think with Mane coming back, I I think he'll be fine at some point. But I I just think the best player on the best team by a lot this year deserves to win. And De Bruyne, he's leading the league in assists by four. He's been the architect of the best offense, best attack in the Premier League, and I just don't think there's a scenario in which he loses it. I think De Bruyne will win. Um, I just want Salah to win because of him coming into the Premier League uh, and doing what he did, just taking the league by storm. Uh, Before we wrap up, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, for that win against Roma. That was impressive. I was shocked by that. Um, I thought Roma was going to win. Uh, I, I, as you've seen, I've been wrong on every prediction yet. Um, and they also beat Man City earlier in the Champions League this year. So watch out. If they make it onto the next round, they could pull off an upset. FEVFC, where Luke Fiore gives you the incorrect predictions, as always. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. I'm Jackson Heil. We hope you enjoy. We'll be back next week. All right.